a minute to Second Timothy chapter 2, and we are taking as a text or a starting point, I suppose, really, from verse 8. It says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. We know that the Lord will bless his word to our hearts, and we are going to unite together at the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our Father, we thank Thee for the uh, fact of the resurrection. We thank Thee, Lord, for its power. We thank Thee, Lord, for the purpose of it. We rejoice today that Thou hast bought us with a price. We thank Thee, Lord, that we are, uh, for a purpose, drawn unto Thyself. And we pray that we might fulfill that purpose in our day and generation. O God, we uh, are glad today, and we pray that thou wouldst make us even more glad as we consider what our Saviour has done in being raised from the dead. Bless our hearts and shut us in with thyself, for it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen. The resurrection, of course, is at the very heart of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read of Paul here, he's in the very last days of his life, soon to be martyred. And he's trying to encourage young Timothy. And as he wants him to endure hardness, to suffer persecution for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, what is the great motive? What is the great encouragement that he gives in the midst of all these things? He says that remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And it is a great encouragement, men and women. It is the most vital thing. We read it, how that God has raised the Savior from the dead. And of course it is emphasized time and time again in the Gospels, in the preaching of the Apostles, how that the resurrection is central to all that they believed in and all that they preached. Five times before his death, the Lord Jesus said, destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. One time he said, I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Five times during his uh, earthly ministry, he predicted that he would be raised from the dead. So if the resurrection is not true, then our Lord Jesus was a false prophet. Not only that, but if he is not raised from the dead, we have no gospel to preach. Because the definition of the gospel is found over in 1 Corinthians. And if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 to 4, it tells us what the gospel is that we preach. And in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and herein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. 
And after that he was seen of above 500 bearing and so on. But we see that the gospel is the preaching not only of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he was raised from the dead. And if you don't have, you don't have a gospel without the resurrection, it is the foundation upon which the other doctrines are built. The Bible says he was raised for our justification. Destroy the resurrection and you destroy the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he said he was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared the Son of God. How? By the resurrection from the dead. So, the resurrection is fundamental. Indeed, it is what distinguishes Christianity from all other religions. All other religions can point to their founder. And they can go to the grave of their founder and say this is the person that uh, has um, founded our religion. And while we might point to a grave in Christianity, the grave is empty. The Lord Jesus is no longer in the tomb because on the third day he rose from the, the grave. And I suppose that there's no doctrine that is so hated by the devil there was a program on the Discovery Channel and television not so very long ago called The Lost Tomb of Jesus. And they sought to prove that this lost tomb in which there was somebody called Justice who was buried and somebody was, who was called Mariamne was buried. And they said that was Jesus and uh, that was Mary Magdalene and that there were other members of the family there. There was Mary there and so on. They were very common names in the days of the Lord Jesus. But because they have found a tomb with all these names in them, and, and, and the um, uh, scholars even dispute over what the names were, but there is no doctrine. They were trying to prove that our Savior is still in the tomb. Here is his uh, ossuary, his, his bone box. Here is the place where he is buried. But he's not buried. He's risen from the dead. And thank God today we don't have uh, to listen to the, those that deny the resurrection like the Sadducees. The Sadducees, uh, they uh, went against the resurrection. And of course, somebody said that is why they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But we are so many today. We think of those in the Church of England, Church of England bishops, who described the uh, we think of Bishop Jenkins a number of years ago who described the resurrection as a conjuring trick with bones. And uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12 says, Say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 uses the whole thing then to underline the very vital nature of that resurrection. Why is the resurrection so vital? Why is it that we believe in a resurrection today? Well, we see that Paul wanted to underline the resurrection to Timothy here. And he underlines the fact that our Savior was raised from the dead. And I want to underline that fact today. I want us to see why we believe in a resurrection. And I want us to come to God's Word. Because above all other things, we need faith in the precious Word of God. But thank God there are other things that point to the resurrection from the dead. And if Christ is raised today, if he's alive in heaven today, 
Then men and women, if you're not saved, you need to come to Him and put your trust in the One who is God eternal. So there are a number of reasons today why we believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first reason why I believe in that resurrection is because of the prophecies of the resurrection. Paul here says to Timothy that he was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And of course the gospel includes all that was revealed. It's revealed. It speaks of the uh, prophets in the days gone by. It speaks of what our Savior preached. But we think of how it was prophesied that our Savior would not uh, perish in the grave. If you turn back to Psalm 16, we have one of the great prophecies of the resurrection. And it says in Psalm 16 and verse 10, and this is a portion that is used more uh, than once in the New Testament, it says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. It was believed in the Lord Jesus' day that corruption set in on the fourth day after the burying. You remember the story of Lazarus. And when the Lord Jesus went to the tomb, it was the fourth day. And what did Mary and Martha, when they came to the grave, the Lord said, Take away the stone. And they replied, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Now the body of the Lord Jesus did not corrupt. He was raised on the third day before supposed corruption had set in. The psalmist said, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Hundreds of years before his birth, the resurrection was prophesied. In Matthew 12, 38 to 40, certain of the scribes and Pharisees came to the Lord Jesus and they said to the Savior, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And what did the Lord Jesus say? He said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall, be, shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You want a sign, the Lord Jesus said? Look at Jonah. Jonah is the sign. He came out of the grave, out of the fish's belly, he went out of the, the depths of the ocean in three days. And so shall it be with the Son of Man. And if the Lord Jesus hadn't raised from the dead, then he would have been marked off as an imposter. imposter. Josephus, the great Jewish historian, said of, uh, he was a Jew in, in, in actual fact, he wasn't a Christian, but he said that many people in his days claimed deity for the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was God. And he said, oh, that's of Christ, uh, that, that Christ claimed, and this is what he quotes, I will give you a sign on the third day, I will come out of the grave. And he did. He did. A skeptic once asked a little girl, which Christ are you talking about? When she spoke of her Lord Jesus Christ, he said, there are many people that have claimed to be Christ. But she said, it's quite simple. The one I speak about is the Christ who was raised from the dead. And that's the one we believe in. That's the one we turn to. That's the one that the Scriptures point to. 
In Matthew 16, verse 21, the Bible states, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. There's no question about that our Savior claimed that he would rise again from the thir- uh, on the third day. John 21 verse 19 or John 2 verse 19, said, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He's speaking of the temple of his body. So again and again, the, the Lord Jesus and the prophets and the Bible claims that our Savior will be raised from the dead. If he was not raised from the dead, then the Bible is not true. The prophets were false. The Lord Jesus is an imposter. And here he was predicting what took place there on the third day. Man can't even predict the weather, even today, with all his satellite uh, systems we, when, you, when the weather forecast is given, very often they give 50% chance of this, 30% chance of the other. But here is one who predicted, right down to the day, what would happen, and it happened. And then when you look at the prophecies of his birth, of his resurrection, and all the other prophecies about his life, we cannot but come to the conclusion that here is a prophet indeed. Here is one who, whose words came to pass. And when you look at that one, you see something of his resurrection. I believe in the resurrection because of the prophecies that are given. But I also believe in the resurrection because of the proofs we can give. Because There are those that say that the resurrection was a conjuring trick with bones. How can we prove it? Well, thank God we can prove it beyond the proof that anything else would need to be proved. You know, when you go into the courts of law, you have to present your proof. And the jury is brought, and the jury sits, and it goes, and it looks at the case, and it goes perhaps on the balance of probabilities in some cases, or beyond reasonable doubt. Most cases have to be proved, criminal cases have to be proved beyond reasonable doubt, and they listen to the evidence. And there is this evidence and that evidence brought, and then the other case for the defense is brought, and they have to try and prove that it is not so. And any case, a criminal case anyway, is, is, is proved beyond reasonable doubt. Well, thank God, we can prove beyond reasonable doubt. What are the proofs? Well, let's bring the proof of human reasoning. This is not the ultimate proof. The ultimate proof always is the Word of God. But we can bring the proof of human reasoning. You know what happened when our Saviour went to the grave? He was brought to a mock trial before Pilate, before Herod. They condemned him. They scourged him. They crucified him. After his death, his body was taken down from the cross. It was wound in the embalming. It was wound in the shroud and with the embalming uh, spices and things that they would have put in it. Then it was laid in the tomb and a stone was ruled across the mouth of the tomb and it was shut. You remember the religious leaders were well aware of the prophecies that a Savior would rise from the dead. They said 
this, this, uh, he that was crucified said, destroy the temple and in three days I will raise it up. And they knew what he meant. They knew that he was saying that he would rise from the dead in three days. So if he was raised from the dead, we, they said, we will never get Christianity quietened down. This will stand as proof. So they didn't want it to happen. Now there were two things that uh, they did to make sure that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ would not be removed from the tomb. The first thing that they did, had done, was that it was sealed with a Roman seal. That is important. To, for anyone to break the seal of the Roman government meant certain death. The Roman world dared not interfere with this tomb that was sealed with a Roman seal. And the whole of the great Roman Empire stood behind the seal. It was with the authority of the Roman Empire then that the tomb was sealed. But that wasn't enough. They also stationed a guard around the tomb. Roman soldiers stood by there day and night to make sure that Jesus Christ was not taken from that tomb. And the Bible doesn't tell us how many soldiers there were, but we remember that when uh, uh, Peter... Uh, and John were in the prison. There were four quaternions of soldiers that guarded them. We don't know whether there were four quaternions of soldiers that guarded the tomb, but that was 16 soldiers. I, I don't think that there might have been any less than, than that, maybe more than that, maybe a wee bit less, but a good number of soldiers were there to guard the tomb. Rome did all that she could to make sure that that tomb was safe. She dared the world to molest that tomb. And yet after three days and three nights, the tomb was empty. Now, reason with me. Let's think about it. If Jesus Christ came out of that tomb, then either men took him out or God took him out. Now, if men took him out, it was either his friends that took him out or his enemies that took him out. There's no other possibility. Now, if it was his friends that took him out, we realize that this was a band of defenseless men. We read that they were in an upper room for fear of the Jews. That many of them were fleeing away. Many of them were going back to their old uh, habits and to their old uh, workplaces. And if his friends did take the body from the tomb, they had to go against this troop of Roman soldiers. They had to break the seal. They had to get the, uh, the uh, stone away from the tomb. And they had to do something that was absolutely daring, that would have taken an SAF raid to do. And then if they did steal the body, why did the Roman government not look for it? If there was a body to be found, why did the Roman government not search for the, for the, for the body? If they stole the body, then there was a body to be found somewhere. Why did they not search for the body? The reason is there was no body to be found. The body wasn't to be found. They couldn't produce a corpse because there was no corpse to produce. All they had to do was find that body and produce the corpse and the whole thing would have been scotched. But they didn't do it. Why? Because there was no body. So if it wasn't his friends that took him from the tomb, was it his enemies? Well, why would his enemies take him from the tomb when they were trying to keep him in the tomb? Why would his 
Why would they take him out of that place? It contradicts human reasoning. Now that only leaves one alternative. That God Almighty raised him from the tomb. That the Lord was risen from the dead. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Hebrews 13 verse 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. God brought him forth. It's the only possible explanation. That is what the Bible says happens. It's the only possible human explanation of what happened. So men and women, on that evidence, was he raised from the dead? I would submit it to you that he was raised from the dead. But not only do we have the evidence of human reason, but we have the testimony of 500 brethren. We read a little bit about that earlier on in the meeting. It says that he was seen of 500. Now, if there had been two or three witnesses, we read in the Old Testament that things were established in the mouth of two or three witnesses. That is usually enough. If you have a number of witnesses in a criminal case, if you have two or three witnesses and they are able to stand, they are good witnesses, they are upright people, they are people that the uh, defense cannot impugn in any way, well, that's usually enough. Now, we have 500 witnesses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, we read earlier on, but it said, After that, he was seen of 500 brethren at once. Now, that's not, that's not only to say that, he, you know, there were the times when uh, Peter and Mary and all the rest of them, they came to the tomb. There were the men on the road to Emmaus who saw him. There were, that was the time on the Lake of Galilee when, he, uh, when the disciples also saw him. But there was that time when he was seen of 500 brethren at once. Now, the modernists say about that hallucination. It was mass hysteria of some kind. 500 born-again Christians all having the same hallucination at the same time. That's the only explanation they can come up with. And of course, that's perhaps a greater miracle than the uh, resurrection itself. Now, at the time of the writing of Corinthians, these 500, or many of these 500 brethren, were still alive. It wasn't as if uh, Paul here was stating there were 500 brethren that had seen him and as we must do today, we take his word for it that there were 500 brethren. In the day when Paul was writing, these many of these, most of these people were still alive. So people could go to the 500 brethren and they would be able to say to them, I saw him. I'm able to, I'm able to tell you. I saw him. And surely that is proof. We have 500 witnesses or above 500 witnesses that say that he was risen from the dead. So I submit that to you. The only human explanation is that he was raised from the dead, that God raised him from the dead. We have 500 witnesses and above that to say that he was raised from the dead. So I say that we have proof. Then there's a third proof that we can give as to why the resurrection is true. And that is the proof of human nature. I listened to a former, or an Oxford, he is an Oxford professor now, but he was a former atheist. This is the thing that convinced him. He's now a Christian minister. Uh, this is the thing that turned him around when he heard this. The proof of human nature. 
Well, what is the first rule or law of human nature? Self-preservation. When a person is in danger, they will flee for their life. If there is something that comes uh, to bring danger to their life, we will avoid that like a plague. We will not go to death very willingly. Now, what do we find when it comes to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? We notice that there were men who were willing to give up their lives rather than deny the truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If their job interfered, they would give up their job. If they were threatened with death, they would stand up against the threat of death. They were willing to do anything rather than deny the Lord Jesus Christ, even to go to death itself. These apostles, these were the men who knew what happened. Nearly every one of them were put to death. They went to death rather than deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Were they going to death for nothing? Were they going to go to death for something that they knew was false, that they had made up, that they were trying to cover over some other story? Would you go to death for that? These men went to death. They gave up their lives rather than deny the death or the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And more than that, you look at these men after the resurrection. You know, when Queen Victoria lost her husband, Prince Albert, and of course the same is true of anybody that loses a loved one. When uh, Queen Victoria, anyway, lost Prince Albert, she stayed dressed in black for years. I think maybe even to the end of her life she stayed dressed in black. And she shut herself away from her duties. And she wouldn't come out into public to such an extent that there became... It became a, a, a subject of debate in the country and people began to be discontent that she was spending such a time away and people wanted to see their queen. This, they were saying to themselves, she spent a long enough in mourning. She spent years in mourning. And of course, anybody that has lost a loved one, you know there's a long time. Well, you never get over it. You never really get over it. But you know, there's that time when it is such, such a burden, su such a raw thing. Now, what do we find with these disciples? Well, before the resurrection, that's what we find. They're in mourning. They're dispirited. They're downcast. Some of them are going fishing again that they hadn't been doing for years these men are going back to Emmaus. They're going back to their hometown. The rest of them are fearful in an upper room. And they don't know what happened or what has taken place. And what do we find after the resurrection? Here are men that are not downcast. These are men that are full of joy. These are men that are full of new impetus. These are men who are going out to pre preach a truth that they have found. And there's a change. What is the change? Why is there a change? 
Why are they suddenly changed from being dispirited and downcast and mourning for one that is dead to being alive and full of power and full of new life and impetus? What has changed? They have seen the risen Saviour. They have seen the risen Saviour. So I submit to you that human nature, as we study what these men have done and we study what happens to them, something happened. Something dramatic happened in their lives. Something absolutely transformed their lives. And they came and they put their trust in the Savior. And men and women, that to me is the proof of the resurrection. You know, some of the old modernists preachers say that the Lord Jesus swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health and all that he did was that he, uh, that he uh, faded on the cross. Somebody once said that to a preacher and they said, well, I'll tell you what you'll do with your old modernist preacher. You take him and whip him uh, within an inch of his life and then put a, a robe upon him and then mock him and then get him to carry a cross to a certain point and then nail him to it and then leave him there for a number of hours and see if he's only swooning. Men women, the resurrection is true. The resurrection is true. Do you know one time Actually, they put the case to a court. One time they did get a jury together in a court. And they put the case for and against the resurrection. You know what the jury came to the verdict was? The the verdict was the resurrection is a fact. Men, women, by human reason, by human nature, by the witness evidence, it must be a fact. There can be no other explanation. What other explanation can you have? The Lord Jesus is risen. Hallelujah. He's risen from the dead. And so when you look at the proof, when you look at it logically, even logically, men, women, there's no other explanation you can come come to. The Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. But not only do we think of the prophecy of the resurrection and the proof of the resurrection, but I want you to think about the purpose of the resurrection. If he is risen, what does it mean to you and me? Well, men, women, if he is risen, then thank God we can be justified. God sees you as if you had never sinned if you're trusting in his resurrection. Why? Because God sees you through his Son, The Bible says he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now he says you're not a sinner because Jesus bore your sin. And men, women, if the Lord Jesus is risen from the dead, if he's alive today, then he is what he says. He's God manifest in the flesh. He he has done what he said. He has conquered hell and the grave and he is now at God's right hand, at his Father's right hand in heaven. He has presented his own blood. He is a sacrifice for sin. And what he says is true. And if he, what he says is true, then aren't you a fool not to believe it? Aren't you a fool not to trust in it? Aren't you a fool to turn your back upon it? And then, woman, The resurrection is the greatest sign that we could ever have. 
These men, these Pharisees, sought for a sign. Lord Jesus said the resurrection is the sign. And the resurrection is the greatest sign that we could want. What other sign do you want, men and women? The resurrection is the sign. Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you trusting in Him? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Not only does the resurrection bring about our justification, but it declares His deity. Romans 1 verse 4 says that He's declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Only God could be raised from the dead like that. And the Bible says, For if ye believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So because he is God, because he has died for our sin and conquered death and the hell, those who believe in him will also be raised. Thank God one day we will stand before him in our resurrection bodies. One day he will come. We will be raised if we're in the grave. We will meet him in the clouds. We will come back with him. And we will see him as he is. Is that your hope? Will you see him? Men, women, because he lives, we shall live also. And the life there spoken of is the life in the body. We shall live also. What glories lie before the child of God. What wondrous blessings are bestowed upon those that know and love the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We will be resurrected. Why? Because the Lord Jesus was resurrection. Because I... Uh, I live, he said, ye shall live also. First Corinthians fifteen twenty. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. Now men, women, the firstfruits is the token, the first token of the harvest. It's the token that the rest of the harvest is there or has come in. Are you in the rest of the harvest? Are you among those that will be raised? The Bible says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Are you saved today? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Thank God today for the reuniting that those that are saved will have with the Savior. What a blessed thing it is that we believe in a resurrected Savior. And I want you, if you're not saved, to trust in Him today. And if you are saved, I want you to rejoice. The resurrection is a fact. The resurrection is true. And because it's true, we have life forevermore. There's not a doubt about it. There's not a question of it. We have life. You that are saved, you have life forevermore. Rejoice in that today. And go away with 
as it were an Easter blessing upon your heart, that Christ is risen and we live in Him. Are you living in Christ today? Is He your hope? Is He your Savior? Is He your all in all? May God make Him your all in all. And may you come to His side. May God write His word upon our hearts for His name's sake. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Are you saved today? Is Christ the hope of your resurrection? One day you will go into the grave. One day the grave will receive your body. But thank God we who are saved shall be raised. We shall be raised. Incorruptible. Incorruptible. Will you come